ready for true happiness, for deep fulfillment, for feeling alive, on purpose, and in control of your life again, it's time to be the bold, brilliant, beautiful woman you were born to be. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I'm women's happiness and life purpose expert, Karen Rockhind, and I'm going to teach you how to live on purpose, feel alive, and be happy in every aspect of life. I'm going to get real about my life and interview women who are living on purpose so that you can finally live yours. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 Purpose Girls. So when I was in the corporate environment, I had two different scenarios happen that maybe have happened to you. First, I became a vice president. When I became a vice president of the economic development firm where I worked, I found myself needing, it felt like I needed to raise my voice. It felt like I needed to be harsh. It felt like when a a partner wasn't following through, the only way to get through was to be assertive and aggressive. And pretty soon, my boss came to me and said to me, you're far too aggressive. People think you're a bull in a china shop, and we need to get you coaching on this. And I was devastated. I think of myself as a really nice person. I think of myself as really kind, as really supportive. And I'm being told that I'm a bull in a china shop. And yet, I kind of did feel like it. I felt like that was the only way to get through. At the same time, I remember in my very first job out of college, sitting down with my manager. I'd only been there for about two months, and it was our annual review, and they didn't have anything to review me on because it had only been two months. And so they gave me an average score, and I started crying. I mean, there I was, 22 years old, and I started crying, which I know is a big no-no in particular work environments, and immediately thought they're going to see me as weak. And so all of this is in me. All of this is in all of us. And the truth is that we know that as women, we are far underrepresented in executive level positions, far underrepresented in government positions, far underrepresented in leadership roles. We also know that we have a range of emotions. And I love talking to all of you in the Purpose Girl podcast about our emotions. And we know that there's a gender gap in terms of pay. So what do we do about it? How do we have the success and achievement that we want? Who are we supposed to be in the office? Because I feel like if I show up and I am too assertive, I'm called a bitch. And I feel like if I am too nice, then I'm thought of as weak. And maybe you've had this yourself. Well, my guest today on the Purpose Girl podcast is the perfect person to help us with this. She is world-renowned at helping companies and helping women with this particular issue. Let me introduce Andy Kramer. Andy is a partner in the international law firm McDermott, Will, and Emery LLP. She has mentored thousands of women and written hundreds of articles and blog posts on gender biases. She is co-author of the ABA Guide, the American Bar Association Guide, What You Need to Know About Negotiating Compensation, we all need that, and co-author of the book, Breaking Through Bias, Communication Techniques for Women to Succeed at Work. And I will tell you, I have been reading this book to prepare for this interview, and I have been engrossed. So this is so important that we all understand what's happening and what we can do about it, because research has shown we are just as competent as men. We simply need to know how to 
present ourselves how to interact so that it works. Her second book, It's Not You, It's the Workplace, Women's Conflict at Work and the Bias That Built It is coming out soon. So I am thrilled to have Andy on the Purpose Girl podcast. Welcome, Andy. Thank you so much. Very glad to be here. I am so glad that you are here because this is a big issue, right? It's well known that women make what, 79 cents on the dollar. And of course, that is white women and, you know, black women and Hispanic or Latino women make less. I mean, so we all know this, but we don't necessarily know what to do about it. We also know that the numbers, right, in terms of you look at at CEOs and corporations and it's far less women. So what's going on? Why is this still an issue? Well, you've raised so many important points here that uh, we could probably talk about this for about a month, but um, at, to, least. Uh, at least, but to uh, uh, boil it down for um, for the Purpose Girls, um, a couple of things. First of all, when you told the two stories about being perceived as too aggressive, too bitchy versus too kind, nice, sweet, crybaby, you know, what are you going to do? The problem that we have is that when women get into the workforce, we've made it through school, uh, beating the boys out in academics. We manage to do great things. And then when we get to work, all of a sudden, it's as if they have a playbook that we don't know, (laughs) that that there's a secret password, secret handshakes that we don't know. And a lot of that has to do with the way we're socialized, the way we grow up, the way that the environments are. But basically what happens is even in the most well-intentioned workplace, it's gender biased. And it's biased because the senior people who run the companies are almost always men. Hmm. And they have what's called affinity bias, which is a uh, an affinity to people who look like you, who act like you, who can mm. come from the same backgrounds as you. Mm. And on top of that, so that may, means that men are going to be um, attracted to um, the leadership skills of men as opposed to women. Right. And affinity bias isn't just gender. Right? No, this absolutely. Is, it, it covers the broad spectrum. We happen to be talking about gender, but that's it's important to know that. Absolutely. So that if, if since uh, I said white men, I could add white men. Mm-hmm. And so that means that um, if companies are tend to be run by white men, then women of color, men of color, um, you, women generally are going to be considered in the out group. And the other part of it is just gender bias on top of it suggests that men are more competent than women. And so what we're faced with is we're faced with this Um, environment that is not welcoming and that we put ourselves in because of the environment, the Goldilocks dilemma, which you very nicely set out at the beginning, which is if you're nice and kind and sweet, well, they'll put you on the library committee, but they're not (laughs) going to make you an executive vice president. Uh, But if you're, you do this and you do that, and we're meeting at five o'clock, everybody's hair catches fire. Mm -hmm. I mean, the men's hair catch fire, the women's hair catch fire. Who the does she think she is? Right. And so that's when we get bull in China shop. That's exactly right. And so that's where you get the coaching. The studies show that when men receive criticism on their evaluations, when they're reviewed, the criticism is things that they're always told how they could fix it. What a woman is told almost 60% of the time, if she gets negative feedback, it's about her personality. 
Mm. It's as if somehow there's something wrong with her. And so our first book, I wrote both of these books with my husband because he's one of the few guys who actually gets it. <laughs> uh, but uh, the the first book we wrote, Breaking Through Bias, is, the, is about what women can do in gender-biased workplaces. Mm-hmm. And what we can do is we don't have to change. And your comment at the beginning, why should I have to be changing? Why is it that I have to do something different? Mm-hmm. And the answer to that is you don't have to be different from who you are. You are going to be the same purpose girl you are today that you were yesterday. But we have all sorts of characteristics. And what we need to do is we need to pull into the different, we have to dig into who we are in order to make sure that we're being heard when we have something to say. And that's really one of the, if, if you think about it as a train leaving the station, women, what we can do on our own careers to help ourselves is what that's all about. Mm. But there's two other trains that need to be leaving the station at the same time. One of them is what men need to do to help women, what men need to do to help people of color, Mm -hmm. what men need to do to overcome the affinity bias that they have, because we all have it. And then the third train is what organizations need to do in order to overcome the gendered workplaces, the biased workplaces. And so um, it's not that women are not okay the way we are. We're fine the way we are. But if we want to get ahead in the workplace, we need to understand how we're being perceived by other people. And it's when we can understand how they're perceiving us that we can then decide how we want to handle it. Do we want to fine tune it? Do we want to dial it up? to be a little bit stronger? Do we want to dial it down to be less of a bull in a china shop? Yeah. I mean, there's so much here, Andy. I'm so excited that we get to dive into this more deeply because it makes so much sense that our organizations are, at this point, our government organizations, our corporations, for the most part, right, the majority of them have been created by white men to this point. Right. And this is not male bashing. It's rather understanding the context that we're walking into every single day. And you're identifying, I mean, you have this all very well researched, the, you know, affinity bias, this gender bias. And there are plenty of people out there who say, no, there's no more bias, you know, because women and men, I mean, women are graduating from universities in higher numbers than men are. I read it when I was reading your book, I made note that 45% of all entry-level professionals in the United States are women. So it's almost equal. So what about the people out there who say there is no gender bias? You know, Everybody has fair opportunity. Well, we all have fair opportunity, except that the problem is that the world is not a meritocracy. Mm. So that the view is that here in America, what we can do is we put our heads down, we do a good job, and then all of a sudden, the golden chariot is going to arrive to carry right. us around the room. They will but recognize me. They, they will, will recognize me. They if will. I just do my work. Uh, if I just put my head down, the tiara is going to fall from the ceiling and land right. perfectly <laughs> on the top of my head. <laughs> and um, the the problem with that is that the world is not a meritocracy. And Mm. people see you and evaluate you through the biases that they have. They don't mean to. They're well-mind, well-intentioned people. Yes. And but they don't, they can't help themselves. Mm. So Mm. if you're a mother and you have a small child, then 
if the one time you need to go take your baby to the vet, to the, to the doctor, oh, I said vet, I was thinking about Listen, our dogs. <laughs> I, I, I'm a, I'm a dog mama. And there are times I got to take my baby to the vet. So you it's okay. Got it. Okay. <laughs> you got it. Uh, and, um, uh, then all of a sudden, oh, she's a loser. She doesn't care about her job. She's she's because good moms care about their their children or their right. their their pet children. It doesn't matter. Right. But all the times that you were there, putting rowing the boat and and doing extra, they don't see that, and that's called confirmation bias. It mm -hmm. confirms what we know and think we know about other people. Yes, and this is a very well researched brain bias, right? That and. And it's about other people. It's also, if you have in your mind, and this works for any belief that you have, if you have been thinking about, like, I'm on a fertility journey. And so to me, every time I walk into Whole Foods, everyone is pregnant. I'm like, how is our whole town pregnant? You know? Yeah, <laughs> so right, right. You just it, see it. it. It's just an example of confirmation bias that we, our brains are looking, it, it was an evolutionary advantage. Our brains are looking to confirm what they believe is true. And so what I'm hearing you say is that somewhere deep in our brain, I mean, it could just be, you know, generations old, that if somewhere in our brain we've had that women are supposed to be kind and compassionate and loving, and a man is supposed to be assertive, and either gender, or and of course there's, right. now there's so many other genders, but just in that example, if someone is not like that, then we begin making assumptions. So, so we have this thing, and it's interesting, it's not just men having a gender bias or a confirmation bias toward women. I have to tell you, in my first job out of college, I had a woman boss who I thought was the biggest BIT that has ever existed. And I always just thought we all talked. It, her, She only hired young women in her department. And she made it clear to us that we were not to get pregnant because she did not pursue yep, that yeah, herself. Right. Mm -hmm. She didn't have children herself. And we all thought she was a big old BITCH. And... Then I, it's years later. I mean, what is this, 20 years later, 25 years later? And I'm reading your book and thinking about, you know, I wonder how much, it, certainly she said some things about having children that she shouldn't have, but I wonder how much of our, the way we viewed her was just that we had a belief that this older woman was supposed to be more like, more mama. kind, mama. Yeah. So we do have this, right? And I was reading in your in your materials that you sent to me, that we also have this desire, and I know I do, that every woman in the workplace is going to be my best friend. Exactly. And so it's it's also women feeling this about other women, right? Exactly. And that's really what prompted us to, to write our second book, um, It's Not You, It's the Workplace. And when when we would talk about these issues, people would come, women would come up to, to me, to my husband, to both of us and say, hey, I get along just fine with the men. It's the women I can't stand. Yes. I and, hear that all the time when like, I speak at corporations it, as well. It's the women. And so I tried to figure this out. So the very first time that I got this question, um, it was a young woman. She said, I hate working for the two women who are, you know, my bosses. I have, there's three men, there's two women. And I went to the senior, to their boss. And I said, I hate working with those two women. I, they're terrible. They're mean. They're this, they're that. I don't want to work with them. And he said, fine, you only have to work with the three men. So I said to her, well, that's really very interesting. Can you tell me how did those two women treat you differently mm. from the way that those three men treat you that you would have gone to the boss to complain about them? 
And she was dead silent. And after a few, it seemed like a week, but after, you know, probably a few seconds, tears started to roll down her face. And she said to me, they treated me exactly the same way that the men did. Hmm. And I ruined their careers by going and complaining about them. Wow. And that was the kind of thing that we would talk about in here. Well, she, she wanted them to put the, her under their wings hmm. and treat her special. Yeah. She wanted them to be her friends, but she never had that assumption or expectation about the men. Right. And so the woman who you are working with, the fact that she hired young women tells you that she wanted women to advance. But <laughs> you are she, so right. She wanted to, but she couldn't do it because in a gendered workplace where she had been, the way that she made it was to be one of the boys. Right. Right. Was to be one of the boys and give up something that was clearly important to her because she did make sure that we knew that she gave up being a mom. Exactly. And she would be resentful. And, um, you know, I had to, you know, I had to go walk 10 miles to school barefoot in the snow uphill. <laughs> uphill. And then I have to walk home 10 miles barefoot in the snow uphill. Right. So, you know, um, right. and so that, so there's a sense of the generational difference, the sense of, I couldn't do it this way. So how come you can? Mm -hmm. There's a, so there's a whole mix of things that we've we've looked at in our second book. It's not you; it's the workplace to oh. try to show how women can actually do a much better job of the sisterhood that most of us really do want. Mm, we really do crave it. And and I was reading this in your materials that you sent me in the book. There seems to be some perception that women don't take women under their wings or that they are resentful or that they're keeping another woman back. But the research doesn't show that, does it? No, it does not. What happens is that women, we don't get credit for the mentoring and the sponsorship that we do for other women. Hmm. Part of the problem is that senior men are in the position that when they want to help somebody, they have the power to help them. Many women want to help other women don't have the power and they don't have the power to put somebody up to bring them along to make them the next EVP or the senior vice president or whatever. And so that's one of the issues. But the studies show that women mentor women. Men don't mentor women in the same percentages. Women mm. mentor men and women mentor women. Mm. They give back but we don't get credit for that. Instead, we're told that we're nasty, evil, um, queen bees, and all of those sorts of things. Yeah. So so women actually are doing more mentoring by the numbers. Statistically, we're just not getting credit. And this is so, I, I highlighted this in your, in your first book, right? A, a woman is seen as pushy, but a man is seen as persuasive. A woman is bossy. A man is a leader. A woman is a self-promoter and show-off, and a man just knows his worth, right? A woman mm -hmm. is rude, he's direct. And, and these are the stereotypes that, that we really work with every single day, and it feels like we're kind of darned if we do and darned if we don't. Like, it, where's this middle ground, well, for Goldilocks, she has to walk the, she can't be too kind, nice, and sweet because if she is, then she's not taken seriously. But right. if she's too competent and confident and you do this and you do that, and we're meeting at five, then she's not likable. And we saw that in the election uh, for 
precedent where we saw that no matter what Hillary Clinton did, notwithstanding the, all the baggage she has we had brought with her, I'm not I'm not going there. Right. But no matter what she did, she was unlikable. She was to this. She was to that. Yes. And the I mean, even what she wore, right? right exactly. No one, no one even thought about what the male candidates wore, but her clothes were criticized. Is it too manly? Is it not feminine enough? Or is it too? Fa- I mean, right. and, and I, I recently finished Michelle Obama's book, and fabulous she, book. fabulous book, and she came up against many of the things. She was supposed to be a first lady, so she was just supposed to be the kind and compassionate. She wasn't supposed to have a brain, even though she's a Harvard graduate. Right, so, exactly. so we we have this this duality that we're supposed to walk the line all the time. And in your materials, I was reading that this starts when we're young, right? By the time we're three or four years old, we have fairly hardwired um, uh, stereotypes about women and men. You're a boy, I'm a girl. You're a girl, I'm a girl. Um, uh, Age, you're old, I'm young. You're young, I'm old. Mm. Uh, Or your skin is a different color from mine. Mm. Those are the three, the big three that are the types of stereotypes that are the most hardwired. Now, in mentioning Michelle Obama, you flagged another important point for the Purpose Girls, which is really women of color. Mm. And so the the Goldilocks dilemma that we that that we talk about of being too, you got to be just right. How can you be just right? Well, on top of it, for women of color, they have a Goldilocks modified, which is you can't be an angry black woman. Mm. You can't be an angry Latina woman or a Mm. Hispanic woman. Mm. God forbid you're an angry Asian woman. You're a dragon lady. Mm, tiger mom tiger mom exactly mm, but mm, on the oh, other side getting my blood boiled exactly but on the <laughs> yeah. other side of it you're a lotus you're a lotus flower or a china doll you know mm-hmm. the studies show that men prefer on these dating apps they prefer asian women because they perceive them as being submissive wow and and this is you know, there was no dating app back in the 60s or 50s, you know, or 40s. Right. This is current, right? So I would have thought that these stereotypes were from the past. And I remember reading in your book that a study had been done in 1974 and these exact stereotypes existed. And a study was done in 2004 and these exact stereotypes are still in place. So is this going, can this go away with the next generation? Uh, it really has to start at home, and that's the problem. Because if if the stereotypes are fairly hardwired by the time we're three or four years old, mm. um, it's going to it's going to require a sea change. Now yeah. we're seeing a little of it, except that people say, "Oh, when the millennials take over the world, the world's going to be great." The problem is that the studies show that the millennial men are just as sexist as their dads. And in fact, the millennial men who have now, of course, these are stereotypes too. So, so bear with this me is here. Just on average, right? This is right, not right. Exactly. Each exactly, person. Exactly. So, so saying that this is a tendency that they tend to be just as um, as biased as their dads. A lot of those uh, millennial men uh, want their wives to be at home because mm. their moms worked, and you mm. know how we always want to be different from our parents. Right. And maybe they had the fallout of mom working. So they would rather, they said, oh, well, I would rather have. I know, want somebody at home my, to make sure my shoes home. are clean and my <laughs> yeah. food is made. And, and somebody's my got my, and, right, exactly. Yeah. And somebody got my cleaning. Uh, so interesting. And so we really do, what I'm hearing you say is at this point, you know, we would love a revolution where 
biases in both ways. Listen, I will admit, reading your book, I had to face my own biases, right? What are my biases? And I consider myself a totally open, non-judgmental, love everybody person. And in reality, I was on a webinar recently uh, with other entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. and these two guys pop on the screen and immediately I thought, oh, they're jerks because of how they were dressed, because of how they positioned themselves, you Mm -hmm. know, in, in the video. And then there were breakout sessions in the class and I got paired with them and I realized, oh my God, they're so nice. <laughs> and so I I can have these as well, right? It's important that we look at our own biases, not as self-criticism, but as self-awareness. And then we start to, with kindness and compassion toward ourselves for our own humanity, start to shift. And, and there is something here I want to cover before we get into specifically what do we need to do as women which is that women want to be liked more, right? Oh, yeah. We're trained that way. We're trained that way. And and actually, I've been reading a book called The Female Brain, If you, mm-hmm. if, and I highly recommend this to everybody out there, where our, we're actually born that way, where we are more attuned in our brains, are more attuned for communication and for connection with other people. And so we're trained that way, and there may be something about our brain chemistry. And so can we have it both ways where we can be liked? And I think what I'm, what I'm hearing in your, in your work is that it's actually important to be liked. Like, will we, will we achieve? Will we be promoted if we're not liked? So I think that this is important. And the question is, how can we both be assertive and be liked? Again, you've flagged some really, really important stuff here. The female brain line of analysis is that evolution has made women different from men. Um, there's a lot of talk about that, and uh, that theory is is very controversial, and that women and men are actually more alike than we are different. There are some differences, but they're minuscule differences. So how do we get to where we are? We have to be liked because if they don't like us, they're not going to put us on their teams. They're not <laughs> right. going to. They're not, not going to hire us. They're not going to hire us. They're not going. They're not going to promote us. Exactly. Yes. And so we have to balance that. So how can a woman show that she's competent and confident, and that she's going to get the job done, and they're not going to say, "I don't want her on my team." So it's almost like competent, confident, and compassionate. Exactly. So one of the things is that uh, that's really what our book, Breaking Through Bias, is all about, which is how what, what sort of conversations do we have to have? And the first round of conversations we have to have is with ourselves. Mm. about showing confidence, about being having a having a sense of humor, even if it's not funny, <laughs> to be able to just sort of be able to be resilient, how to have grit. Those are the kinds of conversations we need to have with ourselves. Men and women should have those conversations with themselves every Mm -hmm. day. Okay. Mm -hmm. But then when we have conversations with other people, if you're in, if you're in sync with me and you agree with me, then I don't have to worry about it. But most likely in the workplace, there's going to be a lot of people who don't agree with my views. How am I going to demonstrate to them that I am the person that they want on their team. And the way I'm going to have to do that is by showing that I've got the skills, that I know how to get the job done, but that I also can navigate and manage people who are difficult. 
mm-hmm. people who have different views from me. Mm-hmm. That I'm always going to keep the objective of getting the job done first. Mm-hmm. And so that's almost like going to our closet in the morning and saying, okay, I'm going to the beach today. What am I going to put on? You're going to put on something different than if you go to your closet and say, I'm going to a black tie dinner and I'm, and what am I going to wear? And, mm. and we have a closet, we have a closet full of clothes for different events. Well, we have behaviors in our own closet, in our own, in, in our own being that we can dip into and we can pull and deal with. I love this because I was, when I was reading your book, I, for, I was like, yes, yes, yes. This is what's going on. Yes, they're you know they're women haters. They don't get our emotions. And then when I got to the point that we need to attune to our environment, I immediately started thinking, oh no, this is on them, right? This is not fair. This is on them. I'm not changing. Uh, and Screw I them. did it, right? Screw them. And I was in the corporate environment for 15 years, and I showed up in my black pantsuits. And now I go and I present. I do a lot of workshops and I do a lot of speaking at corporations like Capital One and Progressive Insurance, as I know you do as well. And I do put on my own current version is more like a business dress that I love. Mm -hmm. But I did think, uh, no, 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 no. Next time I go on a corporate, I'm going to show up in my yoga pants. And (laughs) then I had to get to the point, right? Because I was, I had inner resistance. Of course. Fairness is very important to me. And then I got to the point where in your book, you wrote very simply, I'm paraphrasing, you may not like it, but this is the current reality. That's absolutely right. And so I love what you're saying. It's like, I was like, oh, come on, darn it, Andy, right? Like, this is the current reality. And so it's really, what are our goals? What's our purpose? What are we trying to achieve? What do we want? And then how do we get it? And listen, everyone out there, you are great at getting what you want. And I love this analogy to the closet, that it's not that we're hiding who we are. You're simply choosing today I'm wearing the bathing suit and tomorrow I'm wearing the evening gown. Love exactly. this. Exactly. And in fact, in in um, one of the things in Michelle Obama's book that really resonated with me is that she found immediately that she was always being criticized as the angry black woman. And she has a statement in her book, which which is really very powerful, which is she said, you know, this was devastating to her because she knew that she couldn't quit. She was she was where she was. She had to deal with this. And she wanted to say to her detractors, what is it? Is it that I'm angry, that I'm black or that I'm a woman that makes you the craziest? You know, Mm. what is it about Mm -hmm. about me? And of course, you know, she dipped into her closet and started to literally and figuratively, you know, she started to show more of her feminine side, mm-hmm. um, more of her likable side, mm-hmm. um, because she needed to do that to succeed in the environment that she was in. Right. And and she didn't she didn't hide any part of herself or diminish any part of herself. It's choosing. Exactly. And something I talk about a lot here on the Purpose Girl podcast is our ability to choose, right? That we know that our happiness and our well-being, our success is a matter of choice. In fact, you know, in my shop, I have a signature necklace that says I choose on it as a, I wear it every single day. It's a daily reminder that I get to choose. So what are the specific tools and techniques that we can do to break through the current bias? Well, one thing is that we have to make sure that we're not holding ourselves back. 
because we buy into the same stereotypes and biases. And so if we think we're supposed to be modest and kind and sweet, then we're going to behave modest and kind and sweet. As we've talked about already, um, the, those have they have a place in order to be sure that we're interacting with other people in ways that they expect us and want to see us behave. But if we're too modest, then we're not going to claim our own um, accomplishments. And if we don't claim our own accomplishments, no one is going to claim them for our benefit. They'll claim them for their own benefit. Right, right. That whole, that scenario we were talking about that just keeping your head down is not going to lead someone to just say, hey, you should be a vice president. That, that's not exactly, going to happen. So exactly. We, so we do need to talk about our strengths. We do need to share our successes and we need to be welcoming and supportive of other people. What are some of the major mistakes that you see women make? Well, some of them make the very same mistake that your first woman boss made, which is that the way to succeed in a gender-biased gender, gender biased workplace is not necessarily to become one of the boys. There are other ways that we can get ahead. But we don't know her story. We don't know the situation that she was confronted with, and we don't know what choices she had. And 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 if you asked her, she probably wouldn't know. Um, she wouldn't have known at the time. Totally, totally. She just wouldn't have known. So so one of the mistakes people make is that they 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 view that as a limited that that they have a very limited range of behaviors that are going to be acceptable. Another mistake people make is that we buy into the stereotypes and the biases so that we hold ourselves back. We don't raise our hand to say, I'll take that difficult project. Put me on this. Let me try it. Men are much more comfortable raising their hands and, and, and volunteering for things that they have absolutely no better skill sets than we do. But they're going to raise their hand. They're going to get the opportunities. And the only way we're going to get promoted is if we're going to be taking on those difficult or those complicated projects. Because if we just do what we're good at, then we're not going to be able to grow. And they're not going to view us as a leader. Mm -hmm. And so those are, two, those are two things. The third thing is that as women as women, we can do a much better job of helping each other. And we can do that, as, as we alluded to in the conversation already, about the sisterhood, where a workplace sisterhood doesn't mean that we're best friends, but it does mean that we can be going, working together towards a, a common goal of making it better for women in the workplace. And mm, so it's not just that. on our shoulders. It's on the organization's shoulders. It's on the shoulders of the men who, who tend to run them. And so we need to be keeping all three of those sort of trains in mind as we're <laughs> as we're as we're watching them leave the station. Mm, I I love that. I love that. And so if we start with the first, it, we don't have to be men. We no. can't be men. Absolutely. We, we need to be ourselves, right? With our own strengths, our own talents. And there are some verbal and nonverbal tendencies or behaviors that you've identified that women tend to do more. Things Absolutely. like saying, can I just have a minute of your time, right? The word just is in your book. And I think that that is so powerful. Things like having a precursor to saying something like, I might be off base here. And even our body language and how we show up seems to be really important. It, it is. And and that's because um, the nonverbal communication 
is such a big part of the way people perceive us. You commented about the two men on the, the panel and how you immediately assumed that they weren't going to be nice people. And yet once you got to know them, well, you had the benefit of being in a situation where you got an opportunity to know them, to see that they were really nice guys. But if you hadn't had that opportunity, you would have left that experience thinking that the two of them, you know, they would have had that confirmation bias. It would have mm -hmm. confirmed for you, oh, well, based on the way that they're dressed and the way they're holding themselves, obviously there's something about that. And so for women, one of the things we need to do is when we show up in a meeting or when we're going to be face-to-face um, -face with people, we need to throw our shoulders back. We need to show, project confidence. We need to be making certain that we're not appearing to be weak and, and, and fragile. We want to shake their hands. We want to extend our hand and get a good handshake. Not a little puppy paw. Where they're not holding. the little teeny fingers, like the, the exactly. whole hand. The whole yeah. hand, not the, not the little tiny puppy paw. You know, you've got to show that you've got confidence. Well, if, mm -hmm. if, if I go to shake your hand and you grab the first, um, you know, the tips of my fingers and you're shaking my hand, I'm not going to have a powerful handshake. Mm. Well, what am I going to do in that situation? Am I going to say to you, we're going to keep practicing this until we get it right? Of course mm -hmm. we can't. So what we're going to do is in my mind, I'm going to say, mm, the next time that I shake Karen's hand, I'm going to give her a full, full palm. I'm going to get my hand in there to get a real yeah. handshake, yeah. you know, something along those lines. That's why when we see politicians, when they go to shake a hand, they'll take their other hand and put it on the other person's shoulder. <laughs> it's like a power struggle. Our, exactly. <laughs> right. and, and with our president at present, um, you know, the joke how he, 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 he'll take your, he'll take your arm off at the, um, uh, at the shoulder. Yes. Yeah. So these these are small things that we can do to adjust. And I love this. You said shoulders back. I've noticed this. It's It's been something that I was very conscious of when I was more in a corporate environment and then become more conscious of as I work with so many women and how many of us, we go into a small position and there's research and you include it in your work about power posing, right? Mm -hmm. That yes. your shoulders back, your hands on your hips, taking up space, your hands on the table, you will feel more powerful. You are actually sending great hormones up to your brain and telling your brain, we are in power now. Absolutely. And that makes, that's, that's part of the conversations with ourselves as well as conversations with other people. Mm -hmm. I always tell women, to go into a meeting, to take paper, even if you're not going to use papers, put them on the desk in front of you, put them on the table in front of you, <laughs> claim your space. Oh, I love that. I love that. This is so good. I have a thing. So before I do a speaking engagement, I will go into the bathroom or if they give me a green room, wherever I am. And my thing is I turn on Alicia Keys this girl is on fire uh -huh. and I dance it out and I get my whole body in the like, I'm on fire mode. Right. And so there's preparation you can do before. That's my thing. Someone else, you know, go into a bathroom and do a power pose shoulders back. You know, it's a, you know, a mantra. What do you say yourself as you walk in your clothing? They, exactly. It, that you feel powerful in it and that you feel good. You you have so much great information, Andy. And of course, your last book was called Breaking Through Bias, Communication Techniques for Women to Succeed 
at work. The link is in the show notes. I highly recommend this. I was just curled up with a blanket and tea the last few nights, having so much fun going through it because it's so good and so powerful. And what I love is that you set up the situation and then you have very practical do this tips in this book. We did that on purpose. And we did mm-hmm. that on purpose because of the way women are sort of, you know, socialized and, and, and whatnot. Uh, we, sometimes we kind of think like we need permission. Mm. And you need permission to toot your own horn. You need permission to. And so by giving you some take, key takeaways, it gives you ideas as to how would I handle that awkward situation? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love it so much. And any of you who have trouble tooting your own horn, toot it to me. Okay. I've mentioned this on many episodes. Email me, go on my Instagram, Karen Rockine. Email me, Karen at Karen Rockine. Join the Purpose Girls Facebook group. I love women who brag because I want you to be able to brag to me so that you then can go out and share your accomplishments. So I'm open to it. I don't, Andy might be open to it. There's I'm open a lot to of it us. too. Absolutely. Yes, we love it. We love it. We love it. And your next book is coming out soon and people can, can order it. Yes, they can pre-order it. It's, it's available for pre-order. It's not you. It's the workplace. Love it. It's not you. It's the workplace. And we of course have a link to that as well in our show notes. And if anyone is interested in working with you personally, where do they find you, Andy? Uh, well, on our website, it's uh, andyandal.com and it's A-N-D-I-E and A-N-D-A-L, A-L. So it's uh, my nickname and my husband's nickname, andyandal.com. That's like a TV show. I it, love it. It could love be. It. <laughs> <laughs> and it will be another episode. We can talk about what it's like to work with our husbands because both of us do. So. <laughs> uh, well, there was only 12 hours we didn't talk to each other for the first book. That's a, that's a whole session in and of itself. So. That's only 12 hours for a whole book. That is amazing. Amazing. So Andy, um, one of the things I like to do with all my guests here on the Purpose Girl podcast is I do this power play around this purpose power play round. And it is, I'm just going to ask you a couple of very random questions and whatever's the first thing that comes to your mind. Are you up for it? I'll give it a try. Okay. When you were a little girl, what did you say you wanted to do or be when you grew up? I wanted to be a lawyer. Uh, You are, and you did. And I did. But the first person that my parents introduced me to, the only lawyer they knew, spent the entire lunch telling me that I did not want to be a lawyer because no one liked lady lawyers. And that Ooh. if I was a lawyer, no one would ever love me. I would never have a family. I would oh. never have any children. I would be lonely. I wouldn't have any friends and people would hate me. Oh, God. So that didn't stop me. But that's Thank what I wanted the- to be. Thank the freaking goddess that it didn't <laughs> stop you. So this is off of the power play on how did you, what's, what's the quick story on how you overcame that with resilience? Well, um, I wasn't the type of kid that I was going to let somebody tell me what to do. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Love that. Thank you. <laughs> so good. Okay. So number two We've talked about, there's obviously your two books and Michelle Obama's book. What's another book that you think is a must read for every woman? It's called Fly Girls. And it is about the first five female aviators in the 1920s, early 30s. And it is amazing. 
Um, wow. it, it talks about uh, Amelia Earhart, as well as some other aviators that we wouldn't have heard of. But there's a fabulous quote from uh, uh, Amelia Earhart, where she says something like, women should um, learn the grind of, of earning a living, just like men should learn the, the stupidity of housework. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, we should. We all should understand both. I love that. Wow. Wow. She's amazing. Yeah, and you it's are really amazing. Cool. It's cool. It's a great book. Last question. How do you define your purpose? Well, for me, every day, if I can save one life, that's what my purpose is. And whether that's helping a woman professionally or uh, dealing with um, kids who are at risk or moms who have um, substance abuse problems, just sort of the aspiration that I have is to really try to make a change. And, and, and I know that people say, oh, God, the world is so, so screwed up. How could you can't make a change? And that's just not true. Just one baby step at a time, one bite at a time. Mm, 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 mm. That is that is so true. It's so not true that you can't make a difference. It is so true that you can. And Andy Kramer, you are you are making a huge impact with each of your books, with each woman, each man, each organization that brings you in. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all of the work that you're doing, and thank you for sharing your wisdom here on the Purpose Girl Podcast. Well, thank you so much for um, including me. I really in- enjoyed it, Karen. No, it's my honor. And for all of you out there, let's take away what Andy said. Let's put our shoulders back. Let's know our own strengths. Let's walk in with confidence. Let's share our successes. Let's bring each other up. And let's be competent, confident, and compassionate like we were born to be. So we hope you liked this episode. If you did, please, please, please go over to iTunes, to Apple Podcasts, and leave us a five-star review. Take the two minutes right now. Hit pause. Take the two minutes to leave us a review. Your reviews matter. It is because of your reviews that women all over the world, from Tanzania to Malta to Hong Kong, are finding the Purpose Girl podcast and listening to it and becoming the women that they were born to be. So thank you for all of your reviews. Keep leaving them. Most importantly, please share this with the women in your life. Share this with the women in your organizations. Share this podcast with the men in your organizations. Share it with the human resources departments so that we really start to make systemic change. That's how we're changing the world one woman at a time. As always, find me over on Instagram at Karen Rockhind. Find me on Facebook for the posts at Coach Karen Rockheim. Join the free Purpose Girls Facebook group. Every week we post inspiration and questions for you to answer to be your best self. And I love it, love it, love it when you all leave me voicemail. So go to purposegirl.com forward slash voicemail. Tell me what else you want to hear on the podcast. That's how we come up with our topics here. And finally, of course, go over to purposegirl.com to get your free Living on Purpose guide. It's an ebook for you that will ask you all the right questions about who you are, why you're here on earth, and get you on your path. I love supporting you. I love how much you support the work of women everywhere. We are changing the world one woman at a time. So with that, may you live purposefully. May you love yourself. And may you love life. Bye for now.